0: We are justified by faith in Christ. Christ did it all. We're justified by faith when we trust in Jesus. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Not only are we justified by faith, we are crucified with Christ by faith. Verse 20, as I read a moment ago, look at the end of that verse again. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By faith, we reckon ourselves dead. We identify with Christ in his crucifixion. Quickly, I move to the challenge of the verse. I love Stephen Oford's outline in his book, Not I, But Christ. He says that here, in this one verse, we have the gospel of the extinguished life. I have been crucified with Christ. What does a crucified man do? Nothing. He's dead. I have been crucified with Christ. My life has been extinguished. He says, it is the gospel of the relinquished life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have relinquished control of my life to Christ. I live, but it's not me. He lives in me. And it is the gospel of the distinguished life. The end of that verse 20. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what distinguishes us. That's what makes a difference in the world. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes the life that we have attractive. Because we are dependent upon Him. It's a life of faith. Just as Jesus fully depended upon God for everything, we must depend upon Him for everything in our lives. We must live by faith without faith. Scripture says it's impossible to please God. It's a dependent life. It's a devoted life. Jesus gave Himself for us. We are to give ourselves in service with Him to a lost and dying world. Fully devoted in life. Have you been crucified with Christ today? I trust so. If not, I hope you will come to that Position of crucifixion where you identify with Him in His death. I've asked one to come and share a testimony this morning concerning their journey into the crucified life. Brother Glenn Dean, please come and share with us.
1: Good morning. Uh, I know a lot of you have heard my testimony probably more than once. Um, So I'm not going to uh, spend the next hour and give you the the unabridged version. But what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to focus on not only salvation, but on sanctification. Focus on the fact that when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's the beginning. It's not the end. And we must go on to maturity. But I suspect that my testimony will be similar to a lot of yours In that perhaps you have come to a saving knowledge in Christ, but the question is whether you have grown on to maturity or how much maturity have you grown on to. Um, I did not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ until I was 31 years old. Now, even though I had attended Sunday school at a very early age, starting at five years of age, and I memorized the typical verses that they taught for uh, children that age and through ten years of age, And I even knew the basic uh, Bible stories, the typical ones. So I had, I would say, a vague but basic understanding of what the Christian faith was supposedly about. But I did not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ until I was 31. Um, I did come under conviction one time when I was 11, but I did not fully repent, and so I did not have a saving knowledge of Christ until I was 31 in fact, the time when I did receive Christ, it was at a neighbor's house uh, and they were reading the Gospel of John. And so I came under conviction again. And that time, though, I followed through and actually surrendered to Christ the best way I knew how at that time, which was putting my faith and trust in him as my savior. Um, And I can say this, that. A lot of aspects of my life actually got worse at that time, not better. Uh, We're supposed to put our faith and trust in Jesus and have a happy life. Well, that didn't work out. And for the next several years, um, I grew very little, very little growth. Um, I knew I was different, but I didn't really understand what all that difference meant. And I failed more than I succeeded uh, in my Christian walk. But slowly, after several years, I started growing ever so slowly, ever so slightly, listening to all sorts of different teachings and preachings, um, reading books, tapes, uh, and a lot of the things I heard. uh, Some of it was confusing. Some of it went over my head. And some of it was not good stuff to listen to to begin with. Uh, But I nevertheless, for several years, grew to a certain level of understanding and, and maturity, but not a whole lot. Um, And it wasn't until my mid-40s that I first heard the full preaching of the cross. And the fact that not only is the cross for the Savior, but it's also for the sinner. Uh, It is for the disciple. And I can remember the first time I started hearing and actually considering what Jesus had said when he said to his followers, he says, "If, "If." if anyone's to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And it was as if he was saying, I'm on my way to Golgotha, and so if you want to follow me, uh, you have to pick up your cross too. And by the way, it's a one-way trip. Um, when we surrender our life to Christ, it's absolute, it's total, it's complete. Um, and we are leaving our old life completely, not just certain things in our life, not just certain areas of our life. And this comes to my mind as I'm speaking right now. I have been asked numerous times by many people, well, I've surrendered this part of my life. Do I have to surrender the rest? And that's a very good question, and I'm glad they ask it because it says they're understanding the significance of our surrender. Uh, Even though um, they may not be ready to do it, at least they understand it's an issue. Uh, so we do need to understand that when Jesus was talking to his disciples and said, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. Well, when that became something uh, that was presented to me and I started laying hold of that truth, then I started surrendering what I knew to surrender. And at that time, uh, the teaching that we were receiving, uh, matter of fact, you know, uh, the pastor, some of you do, John Shepherd, was preaching the cross, the fullness of the cross. And uh so I started surrendering everything I could consider around my life about my life, um you know my home, my family, my job, and all of these kinds of things um, and It took some time before I ever got to the part about my rights uh because that's really what gets us right uh our right to be right, for example, our right to uh, be successful, and so on um but Several months had gone by through that process, and I went through this continuous surrendering as the Lord had raised something up in my mind, and I would do it. Uh, Several months went by, and in fact, one night, when I was least expecting it, the Lord visited me and raised me up out of bed, and I was completely frightened. Uh, It was quite a a jolt to be uh, pulled out of your sleep in that manner. And he asked me this question. He said, who is it that lives down inside of you? And I said, what do you mean? It's, you know, it's me, Lord. And he showed me a vision of myself. And he says, who is that little man that lives down inside of you? I said, well, it's me. And he said, when are you going to surrender your will to me? You've surrendered everything about you, everything in your life, everything around you but you haven't surrendered your will to me. Well, I thought I had. Um, well, that night I did. And when that happened, as we continued to learn and read, I suddenly started seeing things I hadn't seen before in Scripture. And I started laying hold of the truth, uh, beginning in Romans chapter 5, when it ex- it explains how death reigned from... Uh, they from Adam to Moses, even though the law had not been given. And I suddenly saw how I truly was in Adam when Adam sinned. And this is why I sinned. I was born a sinner. And so when I went on to Romans chapter six, and I, then I realized that not only was I in Adam when Adam sinned, but I was in Christ when he was crucified. And that revelation, uh, Pastor Keith uh, referred to uh, Matthew where... Uh, Jesus is asking the famous question of Peter, you know, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord said, well, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father in heaven. And what he was saying to Peter was, the fact that I'm standing here before you is not why you understand that I am the Christ. He was standing before everybody else also. But it was revelation. And by revelation, we need to lay hold of the fact that we were in Adam and we were in Christ. And so when this is revealed to us, then we can lay hold of the truth that's actually throughout this series of verses in Romans 6 and understand that, in fact, if we have received Christ, that we were baptized into his death. And that, in fact, we were in him when he was crucified. Well, the good news is we were in him when when he was raised from the dead. Amen. Because we cannot live out of the resurrected life of Christ except through death. The resurrected life of Christ is what we enter into when we receive Christ. So if we have not died to self, died to who we are, and appropriated the resurrected life of Christ, then the question is, well, what did we do? And so we have to have this revealed to us and understand that, in fact, it's not only positional, but it's experiential. And when that occurred to me, and I saw the truth of that experientially, spiritually laid hold of that, scriptures came alive in a way that it never had before. I refer to it as three-dimensional because I was reading the words on the page. I had read much of the Bible. But it was still two-dimensional, a lot of it. Uh, but when I laid hold of that truth, then all of a sudden it, it became alive to me. Well, as laying hold of that, then all of a sudden I entered into a more full experience of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can call it the filling of the Spirit. You can call it walking in the Spirit because, in fact, that's what it is. Uh, And, in fact, then I started experiencing the indwelling life of Christ for the first time, which is supernatural. There's nothing natural about the Christian life. If it's natural, then it's not the Christian life. Uh, And so as we start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden we have understanding we didn't used to have. We also have the ability to resist sin. As we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit enables us to live the life that we cannot live otherwise. And I used to go back, and I still do, I go back and I revisit the Sermon on the Mount. And really what Jesus was trying to do with the Pharisees at the Sermon on the Mount is he was trying to let them know that they were facing a brick wall. They were in a box canyon. What he was saying to them, they could not possibly do because it's inhuman. It's not humanly possible to love your enemies. It's not possible to pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, you can pretend to be doing it, but you're really not doing it. Unless you have the indwelling Christ and you yield yourself, deny yourself, surrender your rights. Now, that's the last thing that the flesh wants to do. We feel we're justified in our feelings. If someone has done something wrong to us, we feel justified as humans to feel anger towards them. But if we've actually been crucified with Christ and no longer live, we have given up all of our rights. We have no right to feel anger and harbor anger towards other people and unforgiveness. And by the way, that's probably the the main thing that trips up most Christians is unforgiveness. We can live quite well until someone touches something in our life that we consider a sin that's unforgivable. So the power of the cross in our own life is the only way that we can actually live out the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus was trying to let them know. Here, this is the way you're supposed to live. Now, guess what? You have to figure out how to do it. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so it's only when we surrender absolutely, completely, and totally to him, and he is in control of us, then we can actually live as he lives through us. And then the Sermon on the Mount is not burdensome. I have seen this in real life. I've seen this in people's lives. When they lay hold of this truth, the anger and the hurt that they have been hanging on to just dissipates because they experience the love of God which is poured out in their hearts. And all of a sudden, when you feel the love, overpowering love of God in your own life and in your own heart, you're compelled to forgive whatever trespass there has been against you. But until that happens, people will tell me repeatedly, I can't let go. And of course you can't. Until you let go and let the Lord be your very life. And this is what Paul was talking about. He said, I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. For the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's not, wasn't Saul of Tarsus. We know what he was like. But it's Christ not only in him but through him. So as we lay hold of these things, and all of a sudden, this Christian life is no longer burdensome. So when I laid hold of that, it changed my life, it changed my view, it changed my direction. I could all of a sudden, I could hear the voice of the Lord. And I I no longer thought the way I thought, I no longer felt the way I felt. I was compelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not my own attitude, not my own background, not my own understanding. But it all comes when we lay hold of the truth that the cross is not only for the Savior, but also the disciple. And Jesus is the one that said it. So if we haven't denied ourselves, picked up our cross and followed him, Jesus said, you're not my disciple. So, that is what changed my life. And the Lord has led me into full-time ministry, uh, sharing the message of the cross through a counseling ministry that others may lay hold of this truth because it is the cure of all ills. And that's my story.
0: Thank you, Glenn. A testimony of the extinguished life. Dead self. The relinquished life, alive to Christ, yielded to Christ, allowing Christ to live through him, and that brings distinction in life. Some of you today may want your life to count. You want to be distinguished. If you really want to be distinguished in this life on this earth, then you need to do exactly what Brother Glenn has been talking about this morning. Surrender. Accept the Lord. Believe. We believe. On, how does it start? We believe on Him. We have faith in Him. That's how we start. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 2. Faith. Believe. That's how we engage. Believe. Surrender. And then allow His presence to live through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege today to look at your word, to understand, at least to begin to understand what it means to be crucified with Christ. Father, I pray that if there are any here today, the light is dawning, it's coming on, they're beginning to understand. Lord, I pray that they'll take a step of faith. To that point of surrender and belief on Jesus. A death to self, but a life made alive through Christ. Father, I pray that you'd bless this invitation for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.